You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. You're listening to DolphinsTalk.com Daily, the most listened to daily Miami Dolphins podcast on the internet. Come on, Dolphins fans. Time to fins up. Good morning, Miami Dolphins fans. How are you today? And thank you for listening to the DolphinsTalk.com podcast on the Sunday, July the 31st. We have a great show for you today as I am joined by Jeff Kerr, who covers the NFL for CBS Sports. Jeff, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good, Mike. Uh, just enjoying this first week of training camp. I saw we had back-together football Saturday, the thing NFL and NFL Network like to do. It's, when I was watching training camps around the league after I got back from meeting practice, it's, I, I think it finally hit. I, I mean, it hits early, but football's finally here, and I'm going to be at the Pro Football Hall of Fame game on Thursday. I'm going to be in Canton this week. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think everyone's ready. I saw on Saturday that the Cincinnati Bengals had 28,000 fans show up for their first practice with the fans. And that is, Cincinnati didn't have 28,000 fans the last five years combined. They go to the Super Bowl. Now they got 28,000 showing up for training camp one day. That's amazing. And the irony is their quarterback isn't even there because he had an no. appendectomy. So I know. I, I mean, you know what? Uh, I, I work with John Breach, son, son of Jim Breach. Uh, I'm sure you know who Jim Breach is. Oh, yeah. So Great kicker. It's, you hear a lot of Bengals talk, and Breach always joked that the Bengals were going to go to nine straight Super Bowls under Joe Burrow. I said, well, you're one for one so far. So, I mean, getting <laughs> one's impressive. But I, I'll tell you what, it's you really do got to like that since that Bengals scheme. It's, I, I was kind of pulling for him to beat the Rams a little bit last year. I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, they're a very good team, but we're here to talk about some Miami Dolphins. So let's get into that. First things first, new head coach Mike McDaniel, an interesting guy to say the least. On the first day of training camp, he's taking a selfie with the media. He has these quirky answers to questions. He's just an interesting guy, very smart, very bright. That's the one thing you can take away when you get past everything else. This guy knows what he's talking about. What are your thoughts on Mike McDaniel? And how do you think he's sort of going to navigate being that first-year head coach? So when the Dolphins fired Brian Flores, my thought was, what are they doing? What is this franchise doing? Like, what what did Brian Flores do wrong? And obviously, you guys are in the trenches. You know, I'm just looking at it from a national perspective. And then you started hearing about the candidates. And Mike McDaniels then came up. I'm like, Mike McDaniels, the guy from San Francisco? I'm like, this could be an out-of-the-box thinking hire for them if they were able to get him, and they did. And, yeah, you're right. He's very quirky. It seems like he's part of, like, that new age of coaches, which is what we're experiencing up here in Philadelphia with Seriani, you know, guys that like to talk. They like to engage with the media. They're they're very media-friendly, but they're also pretty good football coaches. And it remains to be seen if Mike McDaniel is going to be a good football coach or not, but – Everything I'm hearing, everything that he's saying when I listen to Dolphins press conferences, I think he's just players be players. And 
I really like that about him. I, I like the schemes he's bringing in. You're getting that Kyle Shanley old, and you can tell this offseason, the Dolphins got the players to fit that scheme um, in terms of skill positions. You know, Raheem Mostert, I really like that move. Chase Edmonds, I think, is going to be another rated move for them. Obviously, Tyreek Hill said Wilson. But the offensive line is what I'm concerned about with this team. And, and I'm always going to be concerned about their offensive line because that's how I defended the Tiger Valley over the last two years. So, but you get a guy like Teron Armstead in there. Overall, though, I like what they're doing. I like the personnel moves. I like the head coach. Again, very quirky. But he's a guy to me that I just need to see some things on the field. It, it, I'm not saying it's going to be a rough first year because I, I don't think that's going to be the case with this team and their talent. But it could be a slower start just because everybody's still getting acclimated to this team. And it's very complex. I'll say that. Yeah, and their first four games out of the gate are no picnic where they got the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bills, and Bengals. That's a tough September, as tough as any September I've seen. Um, it gets a little easier after that. But those first four out of the gate, we're going to get a quick, uh, quick, um, I guess, uh, gauge to where they are um, early in the season. Now, Tyreek Hill has come to Miami via trade. And since he's been here, he has done a lot of talking. And on some level, I like it because it's brought a level of superstar Miami hasn't had in many years. And he's bringing a little swagger to the Miami Dolphins offense that they haven't had in a long time either. Um, What are your thoughts on Tyreek? How do you think he's going to fit in with Miami? And is he talking too much? Or is this the jolt of energy, this organization that hasn't been good for 20 years, Kind of needs. I have no issue with him talking as much as he does. In fact, it's kind of a Tyree kill we didn't really see in Kansas City, whether that was out of respect for Andy Reid and how they run things there. I mean, he talked, but not like this. Uh, you know, I'll say this to Tyree kill. I think he's going to be fine in Miami. Um, I think he's going to be just as productive as a player as he was at Patrick Mahomes because he did this before of Alex Smith. And I think Patrick Mahomes will be fine without him. I think he'll be fine without Patrick Mahomes. And I, I would love to see the two together the rest of their careers. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Tyreek wanted money and the Dolphins paid. He is tailor-made for Miami, though. Uh, he just fits the Miami vibe, the Miami sweat. He kind of got like a Jimmy Butler type feel to him. Don't you think, Mike? You know, he, he's got yes. that, that, that brass personality. If he's going to perform. He's going to talk. He's going to perform. He buckles up on game day, and then he's going to let you know about it after he beats you. It's, I, I, just the culture of Miami with the city, with the fan base, he seems to fit everything they want. Oh, and he's going to produce for you. I, I, you know, I, I know some fans are going to be tough on him because he's paid a lot of money to score touchdowns and catch deep passes. They may not do that as frequently as he did in Kansas City, but he's still going to be a very impactful player for this football team. It's I don't think you're going to see a drop-off in Tyreek Hill's production any, anytime soon. I don't either. And I think what he also brings to Miami, which is going to open up the offense, is he will bring attention when he's on the field. And it's going to open it up for the other guys they have on this team, like Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Mike Gusecki, <coughs> excuse me, and the three new running backs they have. Sorry, I got a cough. And the three new running backs and Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, and those guys. When you look at the skill position players on Miami this year, once again, you got to go back to the mid-90s to have a group like this when they had guys like Irving Fryer, O.J. McDuffie in that group. How good do you think those skill position players are compared to the rest of the league and um, 
Is it near the top, you think? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's tough because um, we obviously haven't seen Hill and Waddle take the field yet. But, you know, we get excited about potential duos around this league, right? Well, Jalen Waddle was a stud last year. Um, you know, when you set the rookie record for catches, you're going to be a good player. And I remember when Miami drafted him, I'm like, I wonder how this is going to work. Um, you know, I wonder, like, I, I thought he was going to be a good player. I think he could quit. I, I, I thought Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase were going to be instant studs, and they were, but Wall was right there with him. You drafted the receive one of those top three guys. You got a good play. Well, now he's got Tyreek Hill. Mike Secchi is one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the game. Very underrated, very undervalued around the league, but I, I think you and I both know Mike. He, he's a very good player, and the Dolphins are lucky that he's not really forced the issue with franchise tag thing. Um, you know, I, I don't think he seems to care, which which is awesome. But you look at the skill position players, at, at least the pass catchers, and you got Seth Wilson in there. It's a shame that they weren't able to keep Devontae Parker because I think Gabe would probably be the most talented wide receiver core in the league. But Hill and Waller are going to be such a dynamic duo. It's I don't think you're going to see Jalen Waller make 9.8 yards per catch this year. I, I just don't. He's going to be an impact player. He's going to be a downfield threat. You're going to see a lot of downfield passes, which, which is ironic considering that the quarterback, everybody says, can't throw downfield, was sitting in the league in downfield completion percentage last year. I, I love to point that out to people. That, you know, the narrative is wrong, wrong wildly. So overall, um, I think there's going to be a very productive pass-catching core. And honestly, the one person I think that could really cash in here, and maybe this is why he doesn't care about how much he's getting paid this year, is Mike Gusecki because he's going to be open. Yeah, he's going to be running wide open, I think, right down the middle of the field. And I think he knows he's going to get paid. Whether it's in Miami now, which now it won't be because the uh, franchise tag deadline passed, or in the offseason by Miami or someone else, he knows he's getting paid. And Because this league, being a tight end, nobody cares if you can block. Those days are so over. It's all about getting down the field and making plays in the passing game, and that's what he does best. Now, we've got about 10 minutes here, and we haven't spoken about the quarterback all that much. Let's jump into this. Tua Tungavailoa, year three. Everyone says most pressure on him, make or break, everything. Can't throw the deep ball. And then yesterday, Saturday, in practice, he hits Tyree Kill in stride on a 65-yard touchdown pass in practice with no pads. And you would have thought that they just won the Super Bowl. Those fans are so happy. They're like, see national media? He can throw the deep pass. And it's on film. And everyone saw it. But Tua does have a lot of pressure on him. I've always said not as a player, but he is a polarizing guy, honestly, like sort of like Tim Tebow, much better player than Tebow, but he's going to make headlines with everything he does, and people are going to love him or hate him. What are your thoughts on Tua year three? You know, he's not Herbert, he's not Joe Burrow, but that doesn't make him bad either, just because he's not those guys or where they're at after a couple years. I guess, what are your thoughts on Tua, and what do you see from him in 2022? I mean, can I just say the guy does win? Um, you know, yeah, everybody likes to say win, win, wins aren't a quarterback stat, but in a way they are. Like I know he hasn't been Justin Herbert esque, but TNA is thirteen and eight. You're you're finding ways to win football games in there, and I don't know if here's what's always tricky to me: Do they count the win for a starting quarterback if he like gets pulled for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Did 
Did they ever count that? I, I, I'm never sure I how that know. works, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Either, either or, though, the Dolphins were more efficient when Tua came in. It, whether he was running the football, it, that's another aspect of this game. I don't think people realize. Like, he can carry the football if they need to. It, it just would never ask. But when you go to, what is this now? His fourth offensive corner in three years, and yeah, the defensive yeah. minded head coach the first time, that's not a pathway towards success. This is what takes me back, right? So I covered high school football once upon a time. And the rival school that I played at, they hired co-head coaches. And I'm thinking to myself, now what is that going to do? You can't pick one? And when the Dolphins did the same thing, I'm like, how is this supposed to help do a tag on Viola? It didn't. And I, I just felt... Last year was a cluster you-know-what. They were all over the place. The offensive line was terrible. Uh, that should be better this year. It, just by getting Teron Arms said they should be better. You know, getting an Austin Jackson. And I guess uh, you would know this better than me, Mike. Liam Eichberg starting? Like, right now they have him at left guard. And we'll see how that goes. Okay. He, I think he – right tackle, left tackle for him. In a pinch, I guess. I think they're full-time. He's, he's just too slow. He doesn't have the footwork and speed to sort of be a successful long-term left tackle or right tackle. Left guard, he's never played before, but I think that's probably his home. Austin Jackson, he's the million-dollar question because he was picked 18th in round one. He was the guy they essentially gave up Mika Fitzpatrick for when it's all said and done, and he failed at left tackle, failed at left guard. Now they're trying him at right tackle. Everyone says new scheme, more offensive line-friendly scheme for him. We'll see. To me, Right tackle is the million-dollar question. I think putting Liam Eikenberg in between Connor Williams, who's never played center before, but putting him in between Armstead and Connor Williams, he'll be fine. Austin Jackson's really the million-dollar question because if he can't play right tackle, right now they have nobody else on this roster who can. And that's the thing, too. I, and I, I was going to bring that up, too. It's Yeah, it's Austin Jackson's the wild card here, right? And you know all the Dolphins picks they got next year and the, the following year. I don't think you want to be searching for an offensive lineman. I, I don't think that's what they want to do. I think they want Austin Jackson to take this job and be a starter, and then you can worry about other issues on, on your football team. Like, if Tua doesn't pan out, then I guess the quarterback again. But what if he doesn't? What if Austin Jackson does? They need to beef up the defense a little more, too, because Byron Jones, Xavier Howard aren't getting any younger, but they're still really good players. But, yeah, overall, my thoughts on Tua is give him time and – it's just like like I, I'm in the Philly area. It's just like it with Jalen Hurts. You got him the talent. You got to prove it this year. You got to because contracts are going to be coming up. And the Dolphins got a fifth-year option waiting here on Tua Tagovailoa. And if he's good enough, he'll get it. Um, you know, I, I just think he has to be good enough. I don't think he has to be Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Just be good enough and run the offense. And don't, do, don't make stupid plays. Don't turn the football over. And Dolphins are going to win games. I agree. I think, you know, he doesn't need to be those guys. And in hindsight, if those guys, especially with Herbert, if they made a mistake taking him over Herbert, just live with it and move on as long as you win games. Because I compare it a lot to the 04 class, which had Eli Manning, Rivers, and Roethlisberger. Eli Manning wasn't the best of the three, but he did win two Super Bowls at the end of the day. And no Giants fans are upset with that. You know, Rivers and Roethlisberger are, you know, more talented per se with their arm and their passing ability. Eli won. So if 
Tua can find ways to win, even though he might not be as talented as Joe Burrow or um, Herbert. Nobody's going to care at the end of the day. And he's he's put up in a system where there is success. Now, the offensive line, like you said, is a question. My, I thought they should have done more than pretty much just add only two players. Um, I, I think they should have added a third, and they still might. Um, Connor Williams, moving him to center. I'm kind of nervous about that. What are your, you've never played center before. What are your thoughts about that move? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's weird, right? You, know, you sign Connor Williams, you're like, oh, this is a good son. You pair him at left guard, and you got Rod Armstead. You, you got yourself on the left side of the line, but and you move him. I'm like, they are, and I, I get he's played it per se, but not in the NFL. I don't know. I just feel like when you give a guy like that money, you just put him at left guard and you try to find and develop a center, I guess. But if you really want Liam Eikenberg to play that bad, like you said, I guess he's the left guard. And I'm kind of Williams as a football player. I, I think he's going to be fine playing center, but it's not exactly ideal. But you got to trust the head coach and his staff on this one. And I, yeah. I think that's one thing I've always learned. Yeah, covering the covering the first year guys, it's. You just kind of got to let that be him. You can't criticize every single move they make. Now, if Mike McDaniel was in year five and hasn't had a track record of success or, or a varying track, yeah, but year one, you just got to go with it. Yeah, I think what it is, they, they have invested so much draft capital in this offensive line. I think maybe the general manager is even putting some pressure. This has to work. They use a first-round pick on Austin Jackson. They used a pick at the top of round two on Robert Hunt, and then they traded a third-round pick and move up eight spots in round two for Liam Eikenberg. They're probably figuring, we can't be 0 for 3. We can't be 1 for 2 here. we got to find a way to make this work. So I'm guessing that was also playing a factor here because they have invested so much capital into making this work and fixing this. And, you know, we talk about the four offensive coordinators that they've had recently. They've also had – I think four offensive line coaches in three years as well. There's no continuity anywhere with our last head coach, which maybe that was part of the problem. We'll see. Look at the other side of the ball. They brought back literally everybody. They didn't they brought back the entire defense, including the coordinator and a team that went through a head coaching change, which is very, very rare. I guess what are your thoughts on that side of the ball for Miami and what they are returning on defense? It's so weird, right? Because I think their defense is really good. I just thought they underperformed last year. So maybe a change at defensive coordinator was going to be made. But I think for Mike McDaniel, I think he looked at it as defense isn't the problem with this football team. It's offense. And that's what I got to fix. And so I had no problem with them bringing back everybody, including the coaching staff for the most part. So, look, I, I think the Dolphins pass rush to me. I think it's fun, right? Uh, bringing back Emmanuel Oba, I think that's huge. He's one of the more underrated edge rushers in the league, drop back in coverage. Uh, Christian Wilkins, in my mind, is one of the rising tackles in this league, if not you know, going to be elite soon. I mean, he was very productive last year. You can't say enough about this secondary. I, I know losing Mika Fitzpatrick hurts while well, trading him, I guess. But still, it's not like the Dolphins are – slacking in the secondary either. So no. the way I look at yeah, the way I look at this team, it's their defense can be top ten. Which what was their final ranking last year? They did they end up in the oh, top ten? I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I have to look it up. If not, I, 
it was close probably because the second half of that year, yes, they feasted on some terrible quarterbacks like Ian Buck, Mike Glennon, Joe Flacco, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I get that. But, but you know what? Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And if those are the guys, they're lining up. Not our fault. But if it wasn't top 10, it was probably close because the second half of the year, outside of the Titans game, they were pretty much lights out for the last eight, nine games. Yeah. So basically, if they're a top 10 defense and their offense gets to, I mean, you don't even have to be a top 10 offense. I mean, you, middle of the pack. you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're middle of the pack. They're going to win football games. Look, I'll say this about the AFC East. I don't think the Patriots are good. I, I get tired of hearing about Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick. Now, Bill Belichick, the success of the New England Patriots is in Tampa Bay right now. It is. And Bill is in over his head. Um, the whole Matt Patricia call and play thing, sorry. I'm not buying it. I, I'm just not. I, I, Matt Jones could be better. I, I like the roster. It's just Buffalo's in that division. The Dolphins are in that division. I, I'm sorry. It's I, the Dolphins are better than the Patriots this year. I do. And so you're going to get wins there, um, in my opinion. I mean, week one's going to be tough, but it is what it is. But overall, the Dolphins could win 10-11 games just if they take care of business. And that's one thing they did at the end of last season. You can't help the teams you're playing. They took care of business. They're the first 1-7 team, I think, that end up with. Did they end up 9-8 yeah. last year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because they yeah, because the last game yeah, of the ahead. year – yeah, because the final game of the year was against the Patriots. They were already eliminated. The Patriots were playing for some sort of seeding. Miami won, and they ended up winning um, nine games. They've won 19 games the past two seasons, Miami. They went 10-6 and six or 10-7 or whatever it was, and then they won nine last year. So they've won 19 games the past two seasons, which I think is the same amount of wins as the Ravens have had. But everyone looks at the Ravens on a pedestal and they look at Miami, which I get it. In recent history, the Ravens have been more simple. They've won 19 games the past two seasons. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I can remember that Week 18 game. And you're right, yeah, because they kind of ruined the Patriots season in a sense. Yeah. That, that, that's, yeah. A, that's what I hate about Week 18 sometimes. Like, you remember every team record, but you forget how they got there. But the Dolphins, you remember, because they were 1-7 at one point, and I, I remember going on Twitter and making this big spiel. Look at look at the teams they're playing. These teams aren't good. They can change it up very quick, and they did. And it's just funny how things work. And when they ended up, I would never guess in a million years Brian Flores would be shown the door. And I, I just remember everybody making such a tangent about it, especially about the African American head coaches. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Dolphins GM is. You know, and I know. I'm just I know. thinking to myself. Forrest is a good coach. Yeah, Forrest is a good coach. He deserves to have a job, another NFL head coaching job somewhere. And if, but if he has to take a linebacking coaching job at the stores this year, so be it. I mean, I, I think he's going to get hired again. But you hate you hate seeing it end up the way it did. You heard about all the dysfunction and his disagreements with the organization. And let's face it, Mike. You know. If I have a disagreement with my bosses at CBS, I think it's going to be pretty. So <laughs> I'm sure that it worked that way in Miami. And you know, I'm sure you guys have heard all the Sean Payton, Tom Brady rumors. That you guys have probably blew them up to death at this point. But it did seem like the Dolphins did get rid of him at first. At least try to make a run at Sean Payton. It, 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 that's what it sounds like on the outside anyway. Absolutely, and I'm sure it happened because if you read between the lines, like Sean Payton was at a 
tournament in March there, some sort of uh, tournament in March where he spoke to the media. And, you know, he sort of hinted at it. He didn't come out and say it, obviously. But he's like, yeah, some of my people are having talks. And there were some assistant coaches around the league who said, I got a phone call from Sean Payton. was like, you ready to go to Miami? So it's like it probably happened, the whole lawsuit thing. And when it comes to Flores, it's, it comes down to this. And it was the same thing with Adam Gase as well. You cannot fire assistant coach after assistant coach after assistant coach every year and A, have continuity, and B, at some point, not have it turned back on you. Say so it can't be everyone else's fault. At some point, it has to be your fault. Adam Gase did it down yeah. here, firing assistants left and right. Brian Flores with the offensive line coach, the offensive coordinator, did it the same way. And it's going to come back on you at some point where it's like, we're giving you all this power. You're not making the playoffs. You, you can't blame everyone else. At some point, you're making these calls. You're making these hires. Why? And, and I agree with you. And I think that's why Flores was shown the door. And I remember when I was like, it was more like a wild card prediction. Like, you know, just, just trying to see, like, what, what coach would be the best fit at the time. I think I put Eric Bieniemy for the Dolphins. And I said, you know, if you got a guy like Andy Reid's structure in there, Maybe that's what they need because of all the dysfunction with Brian. And if, but it seems like they hired a guy with good structure of Mike McDaniel. I mean, obviously, we've been through, what, four camp practices. But everything yeah. you read this all season, and it, I just like how Mike lets these guys be themselves. Like Tyreek Hill gets to be Cheetah. Like he gets to be the alter ego in a sense. And, you know, you got Tyreek Hill still bragging about, you know, I'm the fastest guy on the team and – Jalen Waddle kind of wants to challenge him on that. It's you know it, the Dolphins are a fun team right now, and they have personality. They haven't had personality in twenty years. They have personality now. Yeah, who is their last colorful player? Ricky Williams. Uh, Ricky Williams. Yeah, Ricky Williams. Exactly. Two thousand two, two thousand three. Not counting when he came back after all the other stuff. When he yeah, was yeah, here he the wasn't first the time. same guy when he came back. No, he wasn't the same guy. The first time he was here, oh two, oh three. Then he quit before oh four. That was their last team that had a sort of face of the franchise, a personality. Since then, you know, Tony Sperano years, Joe Philbin years, Adam Gase years. It's very buttoned up, close to the vest. It's the head coach who has very vanilla, no personality at all. And the players just really weren't any good for the most part outside of a couple of years in there, obviously. you got to go back to 02 when Ricky came the first time. That team had Zach, Jason Taylor, Ricky. That team really – had personality. This team's got personality. Now, whether they win games or not, who the heck knows? But your schedule thing, as we were talking about, after the first month in October, it gets easier. Jets, Vikings, Pittsburgh, who's their quarterback, Lions, Bears, Cleveland. If they have Watson or not, who knows? Houston. So it gets easier. But it's, yeah, this team should be more fun. It should be able to put up some points, which they haven't in years. And it's going to be a fun ride, I think. When was the last on the Dolphins that top 10 offense? Was it when Marino was there? Mid-90s. I had on O.J. McDuffie on our show a few years ago. It was either 93 or 94. No, it was either 94 or 95. I'm not sure the exact year. One of those years where they had, like I said, Irving Fryer, O.J. McDuffie, Mark Ingram, I think, was there. In one of the years, at least, he was there. Um, you're looking at Parmalee was the running back. I mean, you got to go back a long way. They have it because this team just hasn't. As the league has changed and every team in every organization is sort of emphasized offense, wide open, pushed down the field, Miami seems to have been behind the curve until now. 
And now, which is ironic because the they curve. were ahead of the curve in, in the, the 80s, 80s yeah. 90s, but everybody was using running backs, and they didn't have one, and they couldn't win a Super Bowl. Like, like the, it's a damn arena until he was what thirty eight to win a road playoff game, and he had a noodle arm at that point. His arm was gone. It's I actually watched that game the other the other week. I think that's why I tweeted about it when they played the Seahawks and beat John Kidman. Yes. Oh my God, that's his only road playoff win. That's incredible. It's Dan Marino. I know. That's, I think, the only road playoff win for the organization. I think the one before that, you got to go back to like the 73 or 72 season. I mean, that's, they've had one road playoff win since then. It's not, it's been, yeah. Um, hopefully they're, in the, they're not moving in the right direction because I think pieces are there. It's not a finished product. I actually think next, if the quarterback plays well this year, I actually think next year is probably the year. Because like I said, they got those two first-round picks. They'll have some more money under the cap. They're actually okay with their cap with all the money that they've spent. Um, They might be a year away, but I think this year should be fun. This year should be very much interesting just because the cast of characters, and it should be explosive. Last question I'm going to ask you, and I'll let you go, Jeff. I want you to give me one sleeper team in the AFC and one sleeper team in the NFC this year that you think are going to surprise people and sort of maybe make a run here to go, maybe not win a Super Bowl per se, but sort of surprise people, win their division, go maybe win a playoff game or two. I got two. I want to hear yours, though. Sleeper yeah, I, team. I mean, I guess, my I guess my definition of sleeper team might be different than yours, but okay. can we count the Ravens as a sleeper team? You can because they came in last like place last year. Exactly. And they, they don't be talked about enough. Like, you're going to get J.K. Dobbins back. You're getting Gus Edwards back. Oh, Lamar's back. Um, you got Marcus Peters back. You got Marlon Humphrey back. I, they had 21 guys on I on I'm um I am thinking baseball here on on I um, are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, that's what happens. When I got baseball in the background. So yeah, you got 21 guys on IR. Most of them starters. And yet you were eight and three at one point, leading the AFC. And then Lamar's ankle got beat up, and that was it, right? I think Lamar would have won MVP if they would have kept that, even with how bad he was playing, because they were winning. He had more. I think at once. I think at one point during the season, he was twelfth out of. If you rank total yards for every team and added him, he was twelfth out of thirty-three. That's insane. I don't care how many picks he threw. He carried them. So. I think Baltimore would kind of be a sleeper team because everybody keeps talking about the West and, you know, all, all these teams and uh, the AFC North. Everybody's talking about the Bengals and the Browns. I'm like, what's that team in Baltimore? They're, they're pretty good, right? And, you know, as you know, everybody talks about the Bills. And in a way, the Dolphins could be a sleeper team because you're, you're right. They got some stats, but it's almost like, can they win? Um, so I'll go Ravens in the AFC. In the NFC, this is where it gets tough. Because every year I've been saying the calls are escaping me to see. And last year I thought I was finally going to be proven by and then collapsed the second half of the year. And I, I know they're they're blowing that Kyler Murray homework clause out of proportion. Um, <laughs> the NFC's tough because you got top-heavy teams like Green Bay, like Tampa Bay, like the Rams. The 49ers are in that mix. And then you got the Tier 2, like Dallas, Philly, uh, the Cardinals. The maybe the Vikings, maybe the Saints. Saints are a good one. If we go, yeah, we go sleeper team in the NFC, like just in terms of they might make the playoffs, they might make a run. The Panthers, uh, because they had number two defense in the league last year, and now they don't have Sam Darnold at quarterback, they have Baker Mayfield. And 
I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's good, but he might be good enough for them. And that and their division ain't good. So that could be the yeah. the difference between going five and twelve and nine and eight and potentially getting it. Yeah, I'll say this about the Ravens. I think you're right. The one thing that scares me about them is most fans, like like I can, you can, most fans couldn't name one wide receiver on the roster, and this is a passing lead. So I don't know if they have wide receivers to scare people. That would be the one weakness for the Ravens. The team in the AFC, I think is going to surprise a lot of people, is the Colts. The Colts, like Matt that. Ryan, that team has a very good roster except for quarterback. You throw Matt Ryan, who's probably got a couple years left, into that, it's a horrible division. Tennessee, I think, has taken a step back. The Colts, I could see them going 12 and 5, being like a three seed or like a two seed. Upgrade a quarterback is huge for them because they have the running game. They have enough at wide receiver. Offensive line's good, and they're pretty good on the other side of the ball. And, you know, you get Houston twice, Jacksonville twice to get the Giants. They get Washington. They get Dallas. They don't have a tough schedule. I think they get the NFC East this year. <laughs> NFC East. And the South and the AFC twice you get those teams. I think the Colts really could surprise some people. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl, but they could win a lot of regular season games there. And in the NFC, I think the team you cover, Philadelphia, for the same reason. See, everybody, I don't want to bring them up, but everybody keeps saying it. And no. I, I hear it nationally. I, locally, they're, they're really buying into it. I mean, I'll say this. Just from being at practice, they're going to be the team. It's – I, yeah. I think they're going to be pretty good. They're, everybody's always concerned right now. Oh, the defense is not playing the offense. I'm like, you guys know the defense oh, is good, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You've got Brown at wide receiver. you got Smith. you got a lot of good running backs. And, again, you play the Giants twice. You play Washington twice. The Cowboys lost a couple offensive linemen, a couple wide receivers, and they're not even good on the other side of the ball to begin with. They're not going to be the same team this year. Philadelphia, to me, should win the East. If they don't, I'd be shocked. And they could, once again, win a lot of regular season games and get in the playoffs. Surprise some people, I think. Maybe win a game or so. Who knows? I'm not saying win at all, but I think they can – nobody's talking about them. I, I just And, again, they got to play the South. They get, they get Houston, Jacksonville. They get those teams. There's a lot of winnable games on their schedule. I think those two teams could really surprise a lot of people. Like I said, Eagles fans and Dolphins fans actually have a lot in common. So when the Dolphins make their run, they don't play anybody. Well, they can't help that. They can't help they play yeah. the on Monday Night Football. It, it, they can't. And the Eagles played the Saints last year, too. And the Eagles made a run. They're like, Jalen Hurts didn't beat anybody. To attack on all, they didn't beat anybody. It, it must be something with Alabama quarterback. Everybody just must hate Alabama. Just anything Alabama, know. even though all they, all they do is produce football player after football player after football player. It's I just think they like people like to see Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, these guys that win fail. Like the the Jalen Hurts naysayers in Philly, you know what they say about him? Oh, he must not be good. He got benched in the national championship game. I'm like, come on, come on. Like, I'm like, you can use the same reverse psychology on Tua. Oh, he got benched for Hurts the next year, and Hurts got him to the national championship game. It's just a whirlwind cycle. They're both good players. They're both good quarterbacks. It's did they have a lot of talent around them? Yes, but they obviously have made the NFL. They're, they've obviously have varying degrees of success in this league. I think it's more than fair to say that they're both good. And it would be funny if Eagles Dolphins got a super. The, the narratives would run wild if it was Hurts versus Tua. That would be that'd be crazy. But it do, it just comes down to the mindset. 
when I was younger, 80s, 90s, you know, you drafted a quarterback, there was no rush to play him. Some teams, yeah, some teams would rush a guy out there. But for the most part, bring him along slowly. Maybe end of the year we'll play him a little bit. Maybe next year we'll play him. We'll see. Nowadays, if you take a guy, especially in round one, it's not when he'll start. It's how soon he'll be good. They don't. There's no patience. There's no development. It's we got to find out within those first five years if he's the guy. Because if not, we got to get rid of him and we got to move on to the next. The mindset about that whole position has changed dramatically. And I, in some it's probably for the worse because you don't have any patience and you give these guys no time. And everyone's ready to move on to the next guy, and you're looking to see if he's a failure. Yes, there are guys like Joe Burrow, like Herbert, like um, Josh Allen, who pretty much out of the gate, you know, these guys are going to be pretty damn good. But it wasn't always this way, and that's the way it is now. And I think fans have that mindset of, oh, he's no good. Try to find someone football. else. The best quarterback in football didn't play right away. Yeah. Sally. He it, went to a good situation, though. Yeah. And I still remember watching that game. He's gonna be good, and they're like, "Oh, it's a meaningless game." I'm like, "It's gonna be good." <laughs> and that's because, right and that's because the Chiefs were very smart, and most organizations aren't run that smart. They knew, yes, we have Al Smith, yes, we're like a one seed and stuff. We still need to find the next guy, so they took him high in round one because they moved way up to get him, and they were able to let him sit. Most of these teams don't have that luxury anymore, but Kansas City, because they're a smart run organization was able to do that, and it's paid off huge for them. But a lot of these guys get picked in spots where they got to play right away because nobody has any patience. Head coaches, you get a couple of years at most now. Oh, you're out the door. It's it's a whole different world, the NFL. Everybody hates the Chiefs, but every team in the AFC loaded up to beat the Chiefs, every single yes. team. Because they knew the Chargers were coming. They know the Bills are there. I mean, the Bills should have beat them last year, but they didn't. The Bengals did beat them, but again, I think that was more of a fluke second half by the Chiefs than the Bengals actually out being. But you gotta give the, the Bengals a lot of credit. But look at what the Dolphins did. Look at what um, the Raiders did. The Broncos straight for Russell Wilson. The Chargers were close last year and they loaded up. It's really the only team that doesn't seem to get it is the Patriots because Bill Belichick living the mindset that he's the greatest yeah, coach is. ever. And yeah, it, 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 it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's what it, it's. It's what it is. Yeah, like with Bill, you can respect what he's done in the past. And obviously, greatest head coach of all. All that's respect. But when you look at the like the here and now, it's not the same. And he's he he doesn't have the roster he once had. He doesn't have a quarterback he once had. And they're making some wacky decisions, which I don't care how much he's won. They're making wacky decisions that make zero sense. And, yes, everyone's trying to be the Chiefs, catch the Chiefs. The Bills had him beat last year. If Sean McDermott stays in the locker room at halftime and doesn't walk out, they win that game. He screwed up the second, especially the end of the game with the kickoff. He screwed it up, and in the Chiefs win, if he just stays in the locker room and never leaves, there's no doubt in my mind the Bills win that game, and there's no doubt in my mind they probably beat the Rams because the Rams won the Super Bowl, but they didn't look all that great either, Nicky. No, no, they didn't. And that's the thing, like, the Rams, I still think that they could be even better this year, but they may not even win the Super Bowl. It's, it's kind of crazy yeah. to think that way. But, uh, I mean, I thought the Bucs, in a way, were better last year than the team that won the Super Bowl, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. It, it, it's funny how that works, Mike. Like, the Dolphins could have a really good year this year. Expectations are going to be through the roof, and they could be a better team the next year with better players. 
football is such an awkward game. Like I, I said last year in Philadelphia, if the Eagles are competitive, it's going to be a good year. Well, they weren't the first seven games. They were terrible. I, I actually went on the record and said, this may be the worst Eagles team I've seen in about 20 years since uh, Ray Rhodes was last year. Well, then they turned it around because the coach turned everything around. It's Everybody loves to say, like, you know, the quarterback makes the team. No, it's the head coach, the front office, then the quarterback. If you get the head coach in front of the office, you're going to find a way to win football. I think that's why people don't write off the Pittsburgh Steelers because they seem to have the – the nucleus in place, even though that that's getting a really questioned now with Kevin Culver being gone. Yeah, they have the infrastructure to be successful. Same thing with the Packers. They have an infrastructure in place, and it's about who's next in line, next man up, and they keep replenishing more than rebuilding. But, yeah, um, it should be an interesting season, to say the least. Jeff, thanks so much for a few moments of your time this morning. Everyone be sure to read Jeff Kerr over at CBS Sports and also follow him on Twitter at – Jeff Kerr, CBS. Jeff, thanks so much. Yep, Mike, thanks for having me on. Uh, never need me at all, Fins. I'm, I'm here. Um, I'll be doing a lot of AFC coverage this year, and let me tell you, I still have no idea who's going to win this conference. It's, I mean, really, it's, it's loaded. The, the 12th best team on paper to win this conference this year. It is a loaded conference, to say the least. Jeff, thanks so much. Yep, thanks, Mike. Bye. Thank you for listening to the DolphinsTalk.com podcast. Be sure to visit DolphinsTalk.com every day for all of your latest Miami Dolphins news.